It's time to get up and rolling. It's selling season. So what are some of the biggest mistakes people typically make during payroll selling season? That's what I walk through today as I kind of reflect on some of the things that we need to do as an organization to prepare for what's the busiest time of year for payroll companies. And that's actively trying to find new clients and attract new clients to your business. And so I go through some of the top mistakes that companies make and some of the things you can do to rectify those mistakes. And hopefully you can learn a few things as I was going through and do my own preparation to put our plan in place. Hope you enjoy this episode. Let me know what else we can do to help provide you with valuable content every week. Thanks for joining us. Let's go. Welcome to Payrollin', the show where you will learn how to operate and grow your payroll business from the most dynamic minds in the business. If your company offers payroll services, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Matt Vady. Let's go. Are you tired of dealing with payroll? Would you just like to finally get out of this industry and start focusing on what you actually do best, whether you're a CPA, healthcare broker, whatever your core discipline is, you started offering payroll services because you thought it would be a great value add. And then you quickly realized, well, this is consuming way more time for not enough money than I originally thought. Did you know that we are actively acquiring payroll books of business? We would love to work with you to identify if we can help you to partner with the right group that makes sense for an exit for you, but creates consistency in how you continue to treat your clients. If you're interested in learning more about Guru's acquisition services, simply go to guru.co forward slash acquisitions. That's G-U-H-R-O-O dot C-O forward slash acquisitions. So I was just sitting here putting together my notes for our sales plan for the end of 2020. And I thought it would be helpful to share some of the things that I'm focused on as far as what we shouldn't do and mistakes I've learned from in the past with those of you out there who are trying to capture some new business going into year end. Maybe you have sales experience, maybe you don't. Maybe you have uh, some processes you'd like to improve. I'm gonna approach this from the perspective of giving advice for small business owners of payroll companies both with sales staff or you are the sole salesperson. And I'm also going to hit some things in here that are relevant to the sales professionals of your team. And really, I'm just going to walk through some of the biggest mistakes that companies make and and individuals make. And I'm guilty of all these, but I just wanted to share them while they're top of mind as I'm going through once again and putting together our process for year end, just to make sure that I'm providing some value to you guys and, and giving you things that you can do to take with you. So, so I'm going to start right there. That, that's probably number one is a number one mistake that I see sales professionals make. And this is the business owner. This is an individual carrying a bag, carrying a quota. It doesn't matter, but they're just not providing value. 
And that's number one. We always say, and I've mentioned this on past episodes, instead of ABC always be closing, we always say ABV always be valuable. The more valuable you are, the more likely somebody is to remember you, the more likely somebody is to reciprocate by partnering with your business. And that starts from the initial outreach or how they find you in the first place. If you're providing value to the market, then people are more likely to find you. I mean, that's what content marketing is. So you're more likely to get more inbound leads if you're providing value to the market. But if you are in a direct outreach, even if it's cold situation, the more valuable content you can share, promise, uh, and, and give folks on that initial outreach is certainly important. And I, I think about, you know, we talked about the, the first meeting somebody has with you, they should be willing to pay for that meeting because you're providing so much value in it because of your insight, expertise, and resources you're providing there. So that's number one. And that'll probably, I chose it as number one and, and the rest I didn't put in any order at all. But because of the fact that it is the most important thing is you need to be valuable and it's probably dovetails in and out of every one of these other things that we're going to discuss. So make sure you're providing value at all stages of the process, which goes into number two, which is a lot of companies and individuals don't have a defined sales process. They've just gotten business in the past, whether it be from referral or, you know, maybe they had a, some good luck making calls or joining a chamber, whatever that process was, they'd never really define, hey, what does this look like from somebody entering my funnel to somebody becoming a customer and line that up? You know, for us, there's profiling and prospecting on the front end. And then would, there's what we call the first date. Then we're going to get into a proposal demo process, depending on the size of the account. Then we're going to look at a closing process, a, a further evaluation, and an onboarding from there. And so, you know, some of the sometimes that expands. There's some additional steps in the process, but they mirror that general flow. And we have defined processes around each of those steps when they come up. There's nothing more frustrating to a buyer, and, and I sit in this chair more and more nowadays after having owned this business for six plus years now, than the person across the table who's trying to sell you something not having a defined process. I want you to lead me through what people normally do when they interact with your product or, or service. And so conversely, you have to be willing to adapt your selling process to the buyer's process. Not everybody's like me, not everybody's looking for you to say, okay, hey, what are the next steps from here? Too often, I've heard some prospects say that to me recently, what are the next steps from here? It's music to my ears, but it also means I haven't done a really good job of defining that up front. Hey, after we have this meeting, the next step is X, Y, Z. The next step after that is ABC. And you know, if everything goes well, I'm going to ask you for your business. And that's a really powerful statement that I like to say during the first date on a, with a prospect, if it's something that makes sense to walk through a sales process is that, hey, at the end of this, I'm going to ask you for your business if we have a business case. And that is another mistake that I see people make all the time. They just don't ask. They don't ask the hard questions in general, that being one of them. And that's not even, that's not even ask. That's letting somebody know that you're going to ask for the business. But oftentimes people don't ask the hard questions in the first meeting and they wind up uh, kind of dragging people through a sales process that they weren't really involved in. So if you think about it from the perspective, if I get somebody interested in my uh payroll and HR solutions, and then they want to see a demo, and then they ask for a proposal, and then I give them a proposal, and it's like, all right, great. 
you know, what's next? And they're like, oh, this is excellent. We're looking at vendors next year, 2021. Well, is that a really good use of your time right now? Maybe for planting seeds, but probably not. And I've had to have that conversation recently where it's just, hey, now's not a great time. If you guys are looking at the end of the year for 2021, and I had this conversation a couple months ago, great, why don't we reevaluate in October, November timeframe? And if you're looking for, you know, Q1 of 2021, whatever it might be, we, we need to evaluate in a, in a time when it makes sense. We're not going to have to do it twice because we're going to have to do it twice if we do it now and then, which is totally fine. But you, rarely does that work out in your favor. And so you want to be conscious of, A, making the, asking the right questions. So you want to quantify the budget authority need during that first meeting and timing. So BANTS, the old acronym, budget, do they have the money for it? Authority, does the person you're talking to have the authority to make the decision? N is need, do they actually have a need for what you're providing? Too often I see people going in and trying to crowbar people out from one payroll system to another when they're perfectly happy. Yeah, they might change for a couple bucks, but you're probably wasting a lot of time trying to convince somebody that they're unhappy when they're really not. And I would also say that T, timing, was what we just talked about. So budget authority need timing. If this makes sense for you and I'm able to prove a business case, when would you be likely to move? And so that can save you from, hey, am I going to go through these next steps of the sales process? Are we going to put it on hold for now? Are we going to come back to it at a time that makes more sense? Don't make the mistake of not asking those questions during the first in-person or over Zoom meeting nowadays in 2020. So not providing value, not having a defined sales process, not asking the right questions. Those are the first three mistakes and, and they kind of started to, to tree off into some other mistakes. But I see one other iteration of this is making assumptions. So this can happen at all stages of the process. So I assume as I'm pitching a deal that there's no competition in there instead of once again, asking the hard question, what are your other options? And this, this is a great question in a host of different ways. It's helping me to understand what do they view as my competition? Is that staying the same? Is that working with another one of uh, our competitive vendors? What is that? And so understanding and not making an assumption, being willing to make the, uh, or have the difficult conversation and also assuming no, because you got to know in the past. So one of the things that we're doing, talking about getting this sales plan ready for 2020 uh, selling season here that we're, we're just embarking on is going through everybody that we've got to know from in the past, regardless if it was two months ago or six months ago, just because they said no, doesn't mean that things haven't changed. So even if two months ago they left and they went to ADP, well, great. Uh, that means that that's right now is a time where they might be feeling the pain of a poor implementation or uh, you know empty promises. So it's a good time to reach out actually. Um, also, assuming things are still the same at an account. I, I can't tell you how many times I've reached out to a company. Oh yeah, it's great to connect. Uh, are, are you guys still with XYZ? No, we made a change. Oh, geez, they made a change without even me getting into the fold. What a total bummer. But I just assumed things stayed the same. They told me they were happy six months ago and they got unhappy in the meantime. And because I was unwilling to call enough and be frequently persistent, I lost out on the deal and I wasn't top of mind and I, I wasn't providing value along the way. So, um, you know, going back to that, not providing value that, that, that extends through the process. There's nothing worse than that. Hey, just checking in. 
hey, I just want to call and make sure everything was, was going okay. I just want to check in, follow up on that deal. You know, people don't want your follow up. They want some value. So what we do is we create a couple assets that we can plug in later on down. Hey, I've got this template. When we were out there, you told me that you were currently hiring new employees. We've got this new hire onboarding template. We've got this new hire, uh, this interviewing process template. We have all these hiring resources that would make sense for you right now that you can go and use with or without us, right? And so that's the beauty of it is I'm providing them value that doesn't require us to execute, but would certainly be better along with us and, and leaves a much more positive message and, and reflection in their mind than just the whole, hey, just call them to check in. All right, so we've, we've outlined a couple of mistakes here. Another one we see is I just, it's kind of stunning to me how many companies I talk to, particularly payroll companies, CPA firms, you know, what industries do you focus on? Uh, we just, anybody and everybody, if you've got a business, we're, we'll take you on as a customer. Golly, man, that's the worst way to go about this. If, if you're going to serve a one man and a thousand man, it's going to be a tough, tough way to replicate your processes internally and your sales processes until you hit some scale anyhow. And you've got, you know, 10 plus employees at a minimum, uh, or, you know, and obviously this conversation is meant for mostly small to regional payroll providers. So until you've got the opportunity to be able to really serve effectively and the software to really serve effectively a host of different industries, company sizes, which, which I would almost argue that, that you never will. Uh, I think you've got to pick your lane and try to stay in it. So that's a big mistake I see companies make is they don't focus for campaigns, especially. So this is campaign season. This is the time of year where we go, okay, we're going to target CEOs of financial service companies with a, between 11 and 50 employees in the mid-Atlantic and Southeast. Uh, that's different than, you know, oh, we're just going to call everybody who's currently in our CRM. You certainly might call through your CRM. And, and I will say, this is an old technique I used to do back when I was a sales rep out in the field is I would, I would print out my territory. I had about 300 accounts in my territory. I just print out the whole territory with all the contacts and the accounts. And I would just call every one of them. Hey, are you guys thinking about making a change to your payroll or HR processes for January? No? Okay, cool. Next one. And I would just have that on paper and I would highlight anybody that gave a favorable response and I would cross through anybody that gave a negative response and I would update my notes in the CRM. And, you know, it was a little bit of that sort of spray and pray, but it kept me top of mind. And I almost always uncovered somebody that was making a change at that time. You know, one of my old bosses, Brett Wagner, shout out Wags, uh, used to tell me somebody in your territory is changing or making a decision or evaluating a provider right now. It's your job every day to go find them. And that always stuck with me. And so when we go back to targeting an area, my, um, my territory back when I, I held a bag was only 300 accounts. So how many accounts are in your CRM right now if you're a local regional provider? You don't need, I used to be expected to sell, you know, between 250 and half a million on those 300 accounts and, you know, hit that quota all the, every time, I always did well. But depending on what your numbers are, don't think you need to have 5,000 companies of all different sizes, narrow the niche down so you can be super focused. So your messaging can be really focused so it can resonate with them. So you can say, hey, we work with these other five companies in your industry that are similar in size and scope to you. And here's the value we provide them and why you should work with us and nobody else. It makes it so much more crystallized on how you communicate value 
it gives you so much more credibility with the prospect when they see that you're working with people that are like them. I, I always just say to people, if you walked in here right now and you told me that I provide XYZ service for payroll companies, I'm listening already just because I know you serve my industry specifically and we're a unique industry in my mind. And, but in reality, we're not all that unique. And so I, I love the niching down. I love being able to speak directly to my target audience. And that is kind of 1A of this not focusing for campaigns. It's not really understanding your, your target audience, who they are. You don't have any buyer personas. And then you don't profile out accounts. And for those of you not familiar with the profiling process, that's calling into a company just to get information. So if I call over to Joe's Plumbing up the road, hey, Joe, do you guys, you know, interested in sending you some information about our services? Matt from ERG, you know, tell me a little bit. I, I haven't heard from uh, information I had out on your company in the past. You guys had about 15 employees. You still have about 15 folks? Oh, that's great. You know, no, you don't. Wonderful. Do you happen to know who you guys currently use for your payroll and HR services? And there's much more tactical ways of phrasing this, but the bottom line is there can be call campaigns that are purely based on gathering information and cleaning up the data in your CRM. And you can do that. You can hire companies, third-party companies to do that. If you're a single owner, you can hire interns to help do that. That part's easy. And what you'll find is you'll set appointments based on profiling out accounts. It was one of my favorite things to do as a rep because it was just easy. It's much less stressful to try to call over and gather information than it is to make an ask for an appointment. And so, and ultimately that would come through on the other side of the line where the people would be, you know, it would be less standoffish or I'm not asking for anything other than just trying to confirm some information and they would, their guard would be a little bit more down and they'd be open to, okay, hey, what are some of the solutions you guys provide? Here's what, here are some of the problems we're facing today. Here are things that we would like to see improve. So don't sleep on profiling as a method of prospecting and making sure that you're crystal clear on who your buyer persona is target markets you want to go after and who your prospects are in those target markets, because it'll make your, you're not going to book $20 million worth of business here at year end. You need to get clear on what your goal is and what you're going for, which kind of goes into my next mistake in that people have unrealistic numbers. You need to know your average deal size and where they come from. And what I mean by where they come from is, are they coming from inbound from referrals from CPAs? Are they coming from outbound dials? Are they coming from email campaigns? Are they coming from LinkedIn? Where are they coming from? And what's the average annual value on those? And can you get what your goal is? Or do you even have a goal for new bookings for year end? So if you know that, hey, I'm pretty good at picking up the phone and making calls. And you know, for every first date I said, I closed 25% of those. And then you can really back into any number you want. If you say, I wanna close a half a million in new business, then you can start to back into that. Same thing goes with referrals. Referrals are much harder to forecast. Talked about it kind of ad nauseum on this show in the past of, you know, referrals are a fantastic way to build business. They're the best way to build the business, but they're incredibly hard to forecast. But you can get a little bit more predictive based on your output towards generating referrals. And what I mean by that is, are you running campaigns, calls, emails in person that are focused on driving referrals from CPAs, healthcare brokers, whoever your third party partners are, I can guarantee you that the nationals are and that they've got it down to a point where they're putting a, a number, uh, both a quota and an expectation uh, sort of beyond that baseline of how many calls you're going to make, how many stops you're going to make, all that stuff. So you can do it as well to, to make sure that you understand. And 
and I know if you're the solo business owner or the, uh, you know, the only person selling, but you've got three people processing payroll, this gets more challenging, but you still have to say, look, I'm going to make these five dials a day, or I'm going to make five stop offs to my CPA partners today. Uh, and going back to those drop offs, man, be valuable in the drop offs. There's nothing worse than just showing up and, hey, how are you? You know, glad handing is certainly a part of this whole deal, but it's also, and in, in FaceTime is all a part of this thing. And I know, obviously, I'm speaking at a time where we're a little bit uh, challenged with COVID-19, but also just providing real value is where it's at. People remember what you leave that's valuable and what you say that's valuable more so than they remember that tray of cookies that you dropped off. So make sure you're getting focused, you know your number, you come up with a realistic goal for the year end, and then you find a way to back into it with the actions that you're going to take. And, and already touched on, I had another one here about dragging people through the process. You know, I, I've always been good at keeping a high close ratio because I don't, once I realize somebody's not a fit, so going back to those buyer personas, going back to, you know, they don't have budget authority need timing. I'm not going to waste the time with them right now. It's not a good use of either of our time. Whereas when you start to get to happy years and you drag people through a sales process that aren't really engaged or it doesn't, the timing's not right for them, that's a lose-lose. That, that's not a win-win. So you definitely want to stop dragging people through a sales process. All right, let's look at some of the other things here. And, and, I, and I hope this helps you guys. Definitely leave me some comments, leave me some information. Doing a little bit of this solo episode this week, didn't have a guest lined up. Saw that everybody was pretty interested in the sales episode. So wanted to make sure that I was providing some context here. And once again, I was just working on our sales plan. Thought it'd be helpful to talk about it with some other folks. So I think, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I see the sole business owner making um, is that they just aren't even making any outreach whatsoever. They're just waiting for sales to come to them or they're doing outreach in what's the traditional small business owner way, showing up at chamber events, going to, you know, the local networking thing. If you're picking up the phone right now and making dials, you are standing out. How many phone calls do you actually get in a week? I, I mean, I get, I get fewer and fewer sales calls every year, it feels like. So people that pick up the phone and leave me a voicemail, well, it's no guarantee I'm going to do business with them. It certainly stands out. A, fo a phone call, an email, and a LinkedIn man, that's, that's three touches right there to get the campaign started. And now I know exactly who they are. Like there's no denying that they've entered my atmosphere and they've shown me, you know, kind of perked my interest go, oh, what, what is it he's talking about again? She's talking about again? Oh yeah, we don't have a need for that right now. Or, oh, okay, well, we're evaluating that coming into year. I don't know if they provided any real value. So don't be scared, pick up the phone, get out there, go meet some people, go talk to some people. Um, I'll say another thing along those lines. So when you are going to make outreach, I see a huge mistake for those of you that have sales professionals, even those of you that are just the business owner who's going to make the outreach themselves. If you're just getting started, I can't recommend this enough. Practice, practice in the mirror, practice with a friend, practice by picking up the phone and doing it. Uh, we talked last episode about the amount of hours in a year that NFL teams practice versus the only 16 hours of game time. You know, when you look at the calls you're going to make, I can't tell you how many role plays I've done with myself, um, both with myself, excuse me, in the mirror and also with reps. And so this is everything from the initial phone call. This is sitting down for the first meeting. This is the demos. You need to practice it. Don't practice it during game time. 
So you finally get the opportunity to go sit down with your perfect prospect. You've done all these other things and you show up and you start practicing on them. What sense does that make? Now you've lost that opportunity. You're not going to get to go back out there when you blow it. And you know what, if, if you go out there and you leave a really sour impression, you're just not going to get another chance. And if you do, it's going to be a while. So practice, make sure you show up prepared. Uh, I'll leave that as one I didn't have it on my list, but preparation, I'm, I'm shocked at how ill-prepared people are. You should know as much as you can know about an account before you walk in the door, not have to ask them stupid questions about what they do and you know just basic stuff that you could figure out online and with a quick Google search about their company. Show up prepared. All right, so as you're building this all out, whether you've got a couple sales reps who are just starting, you've got to start documenting the playbook. It's going to continue to evolve over time, but we talked about not having a sales process. You're creating a sales process. Write it down, what is it? Put it into a slide deck, put it into a Google Doc, a Word Doc, whatever you're most comfortable with, but start getting it on paper, start recording some videos around how things work, start putting all this somewhere where your team can access it in the future so that you can replicate this and improve on it year over year. So as I go back right now and I'm kind of culling together all these resources for our year-end sales push, I realize, oh, hey, this has been around, you know, this, this document right here, we started back in 2014 and it just continues to evolve and change and, and get built upon and get better. But it started back then when we first started. And so make sure you're documenting what you're doing. Otherwise, you'll never be able to delegate. And do not, do not expect somebody to come in and create your sales process for you and sell at the same time. It's not gonna happen. And so make sure you're documenting what you're doing and get started on a CRM if you don't have one right now. So mistake number, <laughs> I don't know what number we're at with these mistakes here. I'll come up with some number and let me see. You count them when I'm done speaking them out here and I will count them and we'll see if we have the same number because I, I had some things written down as mistakes and then I collapsed them into two other mistakes and who knows what's going on. But so make sure you're tracking your metrics. The only way to do that is through a CRM and there are a million great options out there. Find something that integrates into your email, find something that integrates or plays well with other systems that you have. That to me is the most important decision. We use Zoho CRM. We also use HubSpot CRM. We use them for two very different things. HubSpot's more of, they have really good sequences for setting up three to however many email drip campaigns you want. Much better than Zoho CRM. So we don't track any of our deal information, anything like that in HubSpot, but we do use it for a lot of their email functionality. Zoho, we use to manage our sales process, our notes, all of our tasks, all of our accounts, uh, pipeline, all that good stuff. So there are a million other ones here, good things about PipeDrive and, and many others. And once again, go ahead and leave your, uh, drop me a note with what you experiences you've had with the CRM. I'd love to hear about it. And so finally, I'm gonna leave with this one. This is one that I talk about all the time. This is marketing, this is sales. I see people wee-wee all over themselves all the time. So they talk about, we are this, we are that, we want this, I want this. I, and and the, I'll give you a sage piece of wisdom that I've learned over time. And that's that really the client doesn't give a crap about you. They only care about themselves. So until you start speaking in you phrasing and what's in it for you, for the prospect and your new potential client, they're not really gonna care. They wanna make sure that you can help them to achieve their goals, not that you're going to be another trophy on their case. They wanna make sure that you're going to serve their needs and that you're gonna to help to make their lives easier. So once again, stop wee-weeing all over yourself. 
give yourself the opportunity to ask questions, learn more about the person, learn about their goals, connect their goals to how you serve others like them that put them in the hero's chair and you just alongside them as the guide along the journey. So we hit on a lot of mistakes here. Let me, let me kind of run back through my list. Uh, you're not providing enough value at all stages of the process. You don't have a defined sales process. You're making assumptions about who else is in the deal, about things that have happened in the past, about the accounts in general. You're not giving them, them a chance to, you know, I once had a guy tell me, I assumed he didn't want our highest price offering. And he told me, he's like, Matt, don't spend my money for me. And that's the offering that's best for us. I know you think it's too expensive, but you're wrong. And that's what we needed. And you should have started with that. So I never forget that, especially when I think, oh, these guys won't bite on that. This is, this is too big of a, a, a nut for them. Don't ever make assumptions, which goes into the next one. Make sure you ask, make sure you ask what the budget authority need timing is. Make sure you ask for the business at the end of the process. You put together some campaigns that are focused for year end on industries, on specific target markets, on specific prospects. Get together your numbers and your goal. Don't drag anybody through the process. Make some outreach, reward your referrals, and practice, practice, practice all while you're documenting it in a playbook and stay focused on providing value to the market. I hope that this was helpful. Oh, and don't forget to track your metrics in a CRM. So I hope this was a helpful episode. Let me know what you think about the difference between interview style and providing some insight like this. Not sure which one is preferred based on the folks that have been listening along so far, but love to hear your feedback. Drop me a note on LinkedIn. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. Let's face it. You're only going to get so far by knocking on doors, calling on CPAs, and bouncing off of your referral network over and over again. At some point, you have to become a marketer and you have to get better at sales. And that's why we created the Guru Growth Package. The Guru Growth Package includes all of our best practices where we actually do your SEO on your website and create inbound funnels so that you can get more inbound leads while also lending you all of our outbound campaigns that we use to nurture new prospects and find new clients. You get full access to our CRM and all of those campaigns and funnels built for you, all for one flat monthly fee. We try to increase your inbound while we also give you the tools to perform outbound. So if you're looking for an off-the-shelf solution to cure your sales and marketing needs, simply go to guru.co forward slash marketing. That's G-U-H-R-O-O dot C-O forward slash marketing. If you enjoyed that episode, please share it with someone else you know who might enjoy it and learn from this. And also, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast player. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. And also, don't hesitate to reach out with other topics you'd like to hear more about. Thanks so much.